So one of the best things about speaking these past weeks is uh, the feedback I've received. Uh, the emails and the texts and the personal conversations I've had with many of you, most of them focused on you telling me how you've heard his voice, how you've heard God speaking to you. That has been an unbelievable faith builder for me. Some of you have told me that God has prompted you to talk to someone or pray with someone or, or reach out to someone, and that has been awesome. That is great. Others have told me that God has told you to take a step of obedience, to start something or stop something or choose something. Again, awesome, that he spoke and you obeyed. There was, a, there was one older woman who shuffled over to me in her walker after the first week, and she was eager to tell me that God speaks to her in the quiet hours of the night. How God speaks to her frequently in her dreams. And I thought, that's a topic for another message series, I think. Well, probably the most provocative conversation I've had in the past couple weeks was immediately following one of these services, one of my messages at a morning service. A young woman approached me and she told me that God had spoken to her during my message. And she came right down after the service to, to tell me about it, to share it with me. And I thought, how awesome. Here I am speaking about hearing God's voice, and while I'm speaking, God is downloading a word to her while I spoke. So she came down and said, I'm gonna share it. I said, lay it on me. What did God say? And she said, oh, God spoke really clearly while, while you were speaking, and he said this. He said, I'm raising up prophets in this house. Yeah, and I said, I said, Man, I don't even know what that means, but that sounds very cool, right? And then I, I kind of was like, all right. So I, I leaned in thinking, like, tell me more. Give me, give me some more detail. And she said, uh, that's all I got. And she walks away. <laughs> and I was like, you, you, you can't leave me hanging like this. And come on. But you know what? That's how it goes sometimes, doesn't it? When you hear from God. See, sometimes you get a word from God but you get no interpretation, you get no explanation, you get no understanding of what it means. Other times, you'll get the interpretation, but you didn't get the word. And then still other times, you'll get a word, you'll get the meaning, the interpretation, but no time frame, no timetable as to when this is gonna take place. See, discerning the meaning and the purpose of God's voice is not always easy. It's not always crystal clear to us, is it? You know what God says to us when the meaning's not clear or we don't quite understand or we lean in and we don't get the full word, the complete meaning? He says, keep leaning in. Keep leaning in because I'm still speaking and I still want my children to understand my purposes and plans for them. So I need you to take out your bulletin or a piece of paper where you are. Uh, I need you to take something out that you can write with. And I want you to write the word witty somewhere on this piece of paper in big bold letters or on your bulletin. Witty, W-I-T-T-Y. Here's why. Hopefully, by the end of this message, you'll have a new appreciation, a new understanding for the word witty. I think it'll serve you well as you experience God speaking to you 
personally. But even if you don't, like if I lose you during my talk because I'm not making much sense, or you fall asleep halfway through the message, I, uh, I, know, what, I know what happens most times. You'll take this bulletin and you'll, you'll probably stick it in your Bible, or you'll lay it down and it'll get stuck in a pile of papers somewhere, or maybe get lost under the front seat of your car. But it will resurface sometime, like three months from now. And you'll pull it out and you're gonna be like, you're not gonna remember much of what happened today. But you'll look at that bulletin and you'll see the word and you're gonna be like, man, I do not remember a thing this guy said, but it must have been good. I mean, he must have been good. Look at this. And you know what? I'll be okay with that. Fair enough? Witty. One more thing. Are you all familiar with the term flashback? Do you know what a flashback is? Let me explain it to you if you don't. It's a technique storytellers use to help you understand some current action that's taking place. A flashback temporarily breaks from the linear progression of an unfolding story. It returns to some action or a scene that took place previously, prior to the present events, to help bring meaning or understanding to the action that's currently unfolding. That's a flashback, understood? I say this because I believe that the meaning and understanding of today's scripture passage is greatly enhanced by a few flashbacks. Flashbacks to events that took place prior to the action and events of today's narrative. So here we go, we're diving in. This is week three of a series of recognizing and following God's voice. I remind you that he's continually speaking. We're just trying to learn how to listen and then obey. This morning, or actually it's this evening, we're gonna look at one more passage where Jesus spoke to his disciples and they did not initially recognize his voice. Just like us, the disciples can miss his voice if they're not tuned in to what God might be up to. That's why you and I need to consistently remind ourselves to be aware that God is always at work, often behind the scenes, working out his plans and purposes through those who are attentive to his voice. In fact, once when Jesus was healing people on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to reprimand him for doing so. And Jesus, in his own defense, told them, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. That's why throughout the day, you and I need to ask God to keep us aware of what he's up to by asking him good questions. Like, God, what are you doing? What's on your heart? What are you up to? What do you want me to see? What do you want me to do? How do you want to use me in this situation? Because he's continually speaking. We just need to attempt to listen to his voice. So let me set the context for our action from today's passage. The last chapter of John's gospel, John chapter 21, John the author records the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after his resurrection. It's probably a couple of weeks after Jesus has been raised from the dead. John chapter 21 records that seven of the disciples, they're together back in their hometown around the northern rim of the Sea of Galilee. And John, the author, lists the disciples who are together. He says, it's Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, James, and John, and two others. And one night, Peter decides he wants to go fishing. And the others decide that they're gonna join him. 
and we'll pick up the action in verse three of John chapter 21. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told the other five, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. So Jesus calls out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. <laughs> Anybody fish? You ever gone fishing and not catch anything? It stinks. It's no fun. Verse three says they went out that night and caught nothing. I tell you what, there's nothing worse than getting skunked on a fishing trip, having nothing to show for a long night of fishing. Only thing worse is someone asking you, hey, did you catch anything? And having to answer no. I mean, it's humiliating. So Jesus says, hey, friends, got any fish? No, they all say in this dejected unison. Right, here's our first flashback. Because three years ago, probably on this very same beach, Jesus began his earthly ministry by calling some rugged fishermen to join him and become his first disciples. You know who they were? Peter, James, John, and a couple others. Same guys, same guys from our text today. At the very start of Jesus' ministry, the Gospel of Luke, chapter five, records a very similar night of fishing with these very same men, where they worked hard all night, but had no fish to show for it. See, the text for this flashback, it tells us, it tells us that Jesus was doing some early morning teaching on the beach, and then he asked Peter to drop the nets one more time, right after P Peter had just finished cleaning the nets, right? Peter knows from experience that this is highly unlikely that he's gonna have any success catching fish in the daytime when fish can easily see the net. But Peter decides to oblige the teacher. I'll read from Luke chapter five, starting in verse four. Again, we're still in the flashback scene. When Jesus had finished speaking on the beach, he said to Simon Peter, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon Peter answered, teacher, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to James and John, their partners in the other boat, to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, Simon Peter's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon Peter, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. That's how this flashback scene ends. Blown away by the miraculous catch of fish, Peter and the others recognize that there is more to this teacher, Jesus, than him just having a knack for fishing. This was the event that initiated their three-year discipleship tour with their master and teacher, Jesus. This fishing trip was the kickoff 
to Jesus gathering a band of disciples around him for the next three years. See, this account, it sounds remarkably similar to the events of our text tonight from John chapter 21 with the resurrected Jesus on the beach. Let me, let's get back to the text for today and pick up the action where we left off. Remember where we left off? Peter and the other disciples decide to go out fishing. After a long night without seeing a single fish, Jesus calls out to them from the beach and says, got any fish, guys? They answer, no. We pick up the action in verse six. Jesus said to them, well, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Doesn't this sound almost identical to the first miraculous catch of fish recorded in Luke 5 some three years earlier? I mean, think about it. Same beach, same guys, same unsuccessful night of fishing, and same result after following through on Jesus' request. Jesus requested three years ago, he said, Peter, put out into deep water and let down your nets. This time, he says, throw your net on the other side of the boat, you'll catch some. Both these actions make no sense to an experienced, experienced fisherman. And yet when they obeyed Jesus, both times their nets filled to the point of breaking. Might be a good takeaway for you and I tonight. Here it is. When Jesus tells you to do something, obey. Just do it. Even when it doesn't make sense. You don't have to understand it or have the complete picture in fact, faith is obeying God before you understand how it makes sense, before you know how it all works out. You trust him rather than leaning on your own understanding. You're not God, he is. So when you hear him speak, you obey before you know all the details and understand how it all works out. In fact, that's a good definition of faith. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. And faith is measured in steps your steps of obedience toward Jesus when you hear his voice. That's a good word, people. Faith is spelled risk and measured in steps. You stepping in obedience toward him when you hear his voice. I should probably close in prayer and call it a night, but we're not done, there's more. So they haul in this net full of fish after Jesus tells them to, to throw their net on the other side. That's when John recognizes that the guy on the beach, the one calling to them, is Jesus. Note that he did not recognize Jesus by his voice when he called out to them from the beach, only after the miraculous catch of fish. You know what happened? John's synapses started to fire like crazy. And he remembered, he remembered that he had witnessed this scene before some three years ago on this very same beach. We would call it a deja vu moment for John. It was a powerful flashback for this disciple. Continuing verse seven of John 21. So then John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, huh, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard John say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him and jumped in the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. 
when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. It's probably a good place to highlight another key takeaway for us tonight. Takeaway number two. When you have confirmation that the voice you heard is indeed the voice of Jesus, you should jump in. Don't wait, but obey immediately. Even when it feels like obeying may make you look stupid or awkward. Don't follow the crowd or wait for others to join you. When you hear his voice, make the decision that you're gonna obey immediately. Doesn't matter if anybody else joins you. You gotta firm up to obey his voice no matter what. In fact, you gotta make it your conviction. I would suggest you make it tonight. Make that your conviction. Better yet, come up here and get some prayer following the service and we'll take care of business tonight. We'll pray over you that you have decided to follow Jesus and you are not turning back. When you hear his voice, you're jumping in both feet. Even if no one else follows, even if it makes you feel stupid, you're in. I suggest you make that declaration tonight. We'll be here after the service and we'll pray with you. Let's solidify that decision tonight. Back to the text, verse 10. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. You gotta believe that Peter is totally pumped. I mean, his heart must be beating out of his chest, either because he's being reunited with Jesus or because he just swam 100 yards fully clothed. I mean, one will, either one will get your heart pumping, I can guarantee you that. So he is fired up. Verse 11, so Simon Peter climbed back in the boat and dragged the net ashore. He is pumped. It was full of 153 large fish, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, hey, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. So Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. If there was any mystery as to who this guy on the beach was earlier, who it was calling out to them, Jesus has now removed any doubt concerning his identity to all seven of these disciples. I mean, think of it. How many times do you think the disciples shared a meal of fresh caught fish with Jesus during their three years of traveling and ministry and living with him? Man, it's another flashback for these disciples. They've eaten a meal just like this with Jesus before, probably dozens of times, maybe hundreds of times. Pay special note of, of verse 13. Let's read it again. It says, Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. As they were receiving the bread and fish from Jesus here on the beach, they had to be staring at his hands, those nail-printed hands. See, they were the same hands that took a little boy's lunch and produced a, a meal of bread and fish for some 5,000 people just up the hillside from the beach they were now standing on. They saw the bread and fish multiply in those same hands. You talk about a flashback. 
You talk about a powerful image for these disciples. It removed any doubt as to Jesus' identity. And it powerfully shored up their faith when they relived watching those hands feed them the bread and the fish. So here's where the text shifts. The text now shifts from the seven disciples to focus squarely on Peter. Peter, the disciple who denied even knowing Jesus the night before his crucifixion. Peter probably still didn't know if Jesus had any use for him since his denial. Peter must have been thinking, how could he ever trust me again? I mean, why would he? No one's feeling worse about his disloyalty and his cowardly actions of that fateful night. No one's feeling worse about it than Peter himself. But look what Jesus does. Jesus initiates a conversation with Peter to assure him that he is still one of his disciples, that he still has not given up on him, that Jesus still has a significant role for Peter to play in building the kingdom. We pick up the reading in verse 15. It reads this way, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. This flashback is not a particularly pleasant memory for Peter. By Jesus asking him three times, do you love me, Peter's mind flashes back to his denial, his thrice denial of Jesus that night in the courtyard of the high priest. I mean, the picture is all too clear in Peter's memory. And there's no missing the symbolism here in this exchange between Jesus and Peter. But Peter may have been missing a greater truth demonstrated here because of the guilt he feels for disowning his friend. But this truth is not lost on us, we caught it. It's our takeaway number three. See, Jesus comes seeking you. Even when you've been unfaithful, he remains faithful. Jesus doesn't give up on you even when you've given up on yourself. He remains committed to you. See, on your worst day, Jesus never lost sight of who he created you to be. His plans and purposes for you have not changed. On your darkest day, God did not lose sight of your destiny. God never once wondered if he made a mistake or if he overlooked something about you, something that would undermine or disqualify you for the purpose he created you for. He will never give up on you. He has not and will not change his mind about you. The reality is, you need to change your mind. You need to change your mind and start to believe what God says about you, that you were created for a purpose. In fact, God planned your purpose before you were even born. You need to align your thinking with what God says about you, that you represent Jesus, that you will do what he has been doing and even greater things now that his spirit lives inside you. I know it sounds too good to be true, but it's true. Jesus is the one who declared it and he, his reinstatement of Peter confirms it. Think about it. 
Jesus reinstates Peter to be one of his ambassadors, one of his shepherds, to love people and point them to the Savior. In fact, to convince Peter that his purpose and identity has remained intact, Jesus goes on to tell him that not only would he shepherd God's people into the kingdom once Jesus was gone, but that Peter would even glorify God in the way he died, that he would die as a martyr in the name and the cause and the service of Jesus. And Jesus concludes this prophetic pep talk with Peter by reminding him to keep his focus on one thing, the only thing that matters. He says, Peter, you follow me. No sooner had Jesus said this to his reinstated disciple and Peter loses his focus. Look at verse 20. Jesus says, Peter, follow me. Peter turned and saw that John was following them. When Peter saw John, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Takeaway number four, you keep your focus on one thing, God's unique purpose and plans for you. You follow Jesus. Don't worry about anyone else, run your race. No looking over your shoulder, you follow him. Quit comparing yourself to anyone else. Do not compare your personality, your gifting, your purpose, your ministry, your calling, your destiny, destiny with anyone else. Jesus says, you follow me. Don't worry about anyone else. My purpose or plans for them. That's none of your business, none of your concern. He says, what is that to you? Witty. What is that to you? Quit comparing with anybody else. You follow me. I need to remind you of what scripture says to you and I, because God has already spoken some truths. He speaks today, but he has spoken already in his word. Some truths are littered throughout his word. God is for us, he is with us, and he continues to speak to us. God is for us. There is nothing he won't do for us. He never gives up on us, even when we have given up on ourselves. He withholds nothing in order to help us, in order to bless us, because God is for us. He is with us. The God of the universe, the one who created and sustains everything, the one who's put his Holy Spirit in all of those who believe, He's done it so we carry his love and his power wherever we go. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. No weapon formed against us will prosper. The enemy cannot stand against us. If God is for us, who can be against us? God is for us. He is with us, yeah. He also says that he continues to speak to us. See, the good shepherd, he continues to lead us and to guide us, and we get to represent him. Did you hear that? We don't have to, we get to. We get to represent him to a broken world. The reality is, you and I owe the world a connection, an encounter with God, the God whose spirit resides in us. That's his plan and purpose for everyone who believes. It looks different in each person's life. But his purpose and desire is the same for every one of us. You and I just need to learn to listen to his voice. Listen and obey. See, because God continually speaks. And he says to Peter, and he says to you and me for that matter, you focus on one thing. 
the only thing that matters. Do not worry about anybody else, my plans and purposes for them. You focus on one thing. You follow me. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online. And we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.